0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au Chapter 16, verse 5. I'm going to read to you something that I find puzzling. Well, at least I did until a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to give you, I think, the understanding that came to me. Acts 16, verse 5. Says so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they and that's the apostle Paul and Silas and young Timothy who's travelling with them. Now when they'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But again, the Holy Spirit didn't permit them. And so passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Heavenly Father, help us today. We can read all of this and our minds can engage with it, but only the Holy Spirit can open our heart and help us to see what You are trying to say to all of us. Father, no matter where we are, no matter what our world looks like right now, You've got something You want to say to us about our today and about our tomorrow. So I pray, God, that every heart will be open. No one will be distracted, but everyone will be able to lock into what You want to say To each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. The apostles, obviously, when you get to verse 5, the apostles are pretty pumped. They've been going around visiting these uh, beginning churches, and everywhere they go, they find revival, they find absolute multiplication, they find not only that, but the strength of the churches are getting strengthened in the faith. They're increasing every single day. It's a pretty high time in the life of the church. Now, if you were the Apostle Paul and Silas or Timothy, if you'd been there, you would have thought, look out, we are now launched. It's only going to get better from here. That's what you would have thought. I guess that's certainly what I would have thought. All this amazing fruit, God is moving. And then while you are praying, Or maybe it's not even that while you are praying, but you begin to realise that the direction you are going to go, you are going to go to Asia was the logical next place for the pioneering Apostle Paul it was an area untouched for the gospel. And he's going to go there. by the way, it's not talking about the Asia that we know today. Uh, Asia, uh, nations, China, and, and uh, all the other. F- the, oh God, and once I start naming I'll have to name them all. Let's just say, not the Asia we know today, but the Asia of Roman times was different. And they're going to go there. And then the Holy Spirit says, ah, no. And it's so strong that they know we're not supposed to go there. Well, then it says after that, they go, how about we go to Bithynia? If I showed you a map, Bithynia is a bit northeast from where they were at that present time. And it's quite a journey. So they start facing towards Bithynia going, I think we'll go there. But again, the Holy Spirit says no. Now, you've just come out of an incredible move of God. You've come out of seeing miracles. You've come out of seeing people get saved. You've come out of incredible things that God is doing. And then all of a sudden, it's like you hit the biggest speed bump of your life. And all of a sudden, you are not going anywhere. But you're not told where to go. You're told where not to go. All you get from God is no. Can I say to you that obedience to God's no's is as important as obedience to God's yes's. Sometimes there are things that our heart wants to do and God will say no. And we go, but God, that doesn't make any sense. Lord, don't you know in Asia, there are millions there. No one's gone there to preach the gospel. They need us, Lord. Come on, that's where we ought to go. And if you let reason overtake revelation, you'll always end up in the wrong place. Well, these guys listen to the Holy Spirit. And then they get another no. And they don't know. And they're not sure, but here's the deal, they stay on mission. Now, you might hear me say this a few times today. When you don't know what's going on, when you don't know what you're supposed to do, when you don't know what your next step is, when you don't know what's going on, keep Going forward, there is something incredibly attractive to heaven about a believer who stays on mission regardless of difficulties and listen to it, regardless of clarity or uncertainty. Think about it. Now, I worked this out because I looked up a map in the back of my Bible and it tells you the distances. And the distance they travel is about... 300 kilometres a really fast walker they tell me can do 50 a day but that would be a professional athlete at that speed but even for them it would take them six days to cover 300 k's for you some of you it would be three months for some of you a couple of weeks it's unlikely anybody that's a part of this service could do it in those six days. So we aren't talking here about, you know, in the morning, God says no, but in the afternoon, He says yes. We are talking about day after day of nothing but a no. Day after day of nothing that tells me what the future's gonna look like. I just get a no. But these guys don't stop. I love the fact That when the Holy Spirit says, you can't go to Asia, they don't go, it's time for a prayer session. Let's all stop and wait. Oh, Lord, Lord, we're your people. And we're just going to wait until you say something. They're not like that. They operate on green, not on red. And I think, okay, if I don't get a red, then it must be green. So let's go to Bithynia. When the Holy Spirit flashes a red there, they go, well, let's go somewhere else. And these guys have got a mission mindset, not missions, but a mission mindset. And this whole message came out of me reading that and being puzzled why God didn't tell them on day one. Because I go, if God can tell you at the end of two weeks, why didn't He tell you on the first day? When he said, don't go into Asia, why didn't he say, but I want you to go to Macedonia. How hard would that be? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't tell you everything you think you need to know? And many of us think God doesn't tell us because we're thick. But this is the Apostle Paul who got saved. He came to Christ because Jesus appeared to him. I reckon he's fairly well tuned in, don't you? And in this case, this man of faith, this man of the Spirit, this man of closeness to God hasn't got a clue what comes next apart from an O. But he doesn't live his life on stop. He lives his life on go. And then I began to think through some of this and pray through some of this And let me take you on a bit of a journey with it. They finally arrive at the place God has sent them. They have a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And so in obedience to that, they go down to Macedonia. It takes them a while to get there. But they get to Macedonia. Now, if you'd had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us, and then you went to Macedonia, what is the first thing you're going to look for? The man, aren't you? I'm going to go around and go, what colour hair did he have again? Did he have hair? You know, did he he have a beard? Did he not have a beard? Did he look tall or short? Did he look muscly? Did he look hairy or not hairy? Whether his eyes blue or his eyes green. And I'm going to be going around the entire part of Macedonia like this. I'm going to be scanning every person that walks past me, seeing if I can find who is the man that I look for. Who is the man that I saw in that vision? Can you imagine after a couple of days, Silas is saying to Paul, are you sure you got this right? He didn't say a man from Constantinople, did he? Maybe it's not Macedonia. Maybe it's Melbourne. Maybe you got that wrong. Maybe it's... And they start looking. How do I know they started looking? Read verse 11 and 12. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. And the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost part of that city of Macedonia, a colony. Watch this. And we were staying in that city for some days. What's he doing? He's hunting for the man. Now, here's the deal. He's got to know. a no, a no. I go to Macedonia because there's a man waiting for you. He goes looking for the man and he can't find the man. So what do they do? The next couple of verses say this, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city where we couldn't find the man to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who were there. And everyone's going like, but Paul, you said it was a man for Macedonia, not a woman. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. That means she was fairly wealthy because it was a, an expensive colour. She's a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. She worshipped God and the Lord opened her heart. To heed the things spoken by Paul. This whole thing looks so random, so accidental, so not according to plan. We're going to Asia? No, we're not. We're going to Bithynia? No, we're not. Well, we're going to Macedonia to meet a man? Oh, no, we're not. Can I say to you this morning that sometimes, see, you've got to trust God that He's looking after your life and some of the things you think are an error or a mistake are actually a part of a plan. Are you with me? Because some of us, we get into places and things go a bit awry and we get a bit uncertain. We go, what happened to the great plan of God? I've met so many people who when someone gave them a prophetic word and the very next thing that happens is the complete opposite of the prophetic word. And they go, oh, that was wrong. no. Maybe there's a plan that's a little bit bigger than the one you know about. They're staying in that city for some days. What do you do when you don't know what's going on? What do you do when you're uncertain? Well, when you don't know what's going on, you keep going forward. Amen. So these guys can't find a man? They just go out of the city and go, I wonder who we can find. They're on mission. They're staying on focus with what God wants to do. And they go down there and here they meet this woman, Lydia, a wealthy woman, businesswoman. And then the Bible says that her whole household gets baptised, that this woman and all of the ones that are there, she says, stay with us. It's not a man, it's a woman. Don't make the details more important than the mission. But then Lydia comes to Christ. And again, remember Acts 16.5? And all the churches were strengthened and increased daily. And then you've got this blip where everything goes wrong. And I imagine that when they finally find Lydia, they go, oh, thank God we're finally getting it right. Wow, isn't, so isn't it incredible how we as believers tend to judge whether God is with us or not by whether things are going well or not? Amen. If things are going great, we go, oh, praise God, and we lift our hands higher and we shout louder. We jump just a little bit more. And when things are going bad, we don't lift our hands up. We stand there going, Oh God, where did you go? What happened there? Going over there? Oh God, and some of us don't even come, you know, because after all, God's not moving anymore in our life. Don't make the details more important than the mission. But then they get this whole thing going and Lydia comes to Christ and, and Silas is saying, you were right on it, Paul. Yeah, I knew you were. Timothy is the only a young guy. He's learning about how to serve God. And I've got no doubt that young Timothy's going, for a minute there I thought we'd missed it. He's, he's, we've got it. And that's going really, really well. But then they get followed by a fortune teller and it's a demonic spirit that is giving her the information. And so the Apostle Paul turns around at one point, rebukes that thing that's in her. And all of a sudden, this girl that's been making money for all these businessmen, due to her fortune-telling spirit, all of a sudden, all that income dries up and they get cranky. Are you getting the picture here? Yes, strengthen. strengthened. No, can't go there. No, don't go there either. Yes, go to Macedonia, find a man. Oh, it's not a man, it's a woman. Oh, great. Oh, no, they come to Christ. Oh, it's amazing. They all get baptised. Isn't that incredible? Oh, no, the girl gets delivered. And they throw Paul and Silas and Timothy into jail. They chuck these people into the prison place. You've got to understand that opposition doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Just because you encounter it, listen to me, just because you encounter it difficulty doesn't mean God forgot your address. Come on. I know I'm preaching really well and I know that you're getting this, but I but understand for some of you here, just because you've struck a massive pothole in the road doesn't mean you shouldn't have taken that road. Just because you get a no doesn't mean God's forgotten to help you. Just because some detail is not working out doesn't mean God's not leading you. They don't know the details. They encounter opposition. What do you do when you don't know what's going on? Can anyone guess? When you don't know what's going on, you keep going forward. Imagine you're these apostles, all this... this what a non-straight line following of Christ. What a challenge it is. And now they're in jail. How on earth do you keep going forward when you're in jail? Well, if you're the Apostle Paul, you go, gee, look, they put our hands in stocks. Oh, they put our feet. We can't get up and walk down to the riverbank to find somebody. But guess what we could do? We've got a captive audience. Literally. Huh? Because the rest of the people in the congregation ain't going out. It may be like if we you know, locked all the doors. I can preach as long as I like. Because you ain't going nowhere. Mm. Maybe not. So it says in verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners... We're listening to them. For I will rise and lift my head For by His mercy my life was spared Is that it? The highest name has set me free Because of Jesus my heart is clean And all these people that were criminals And His heart wasn't clean And all these people who didn't know the name of Jesus are listening to a couple of guys have their own worship service because it doesn't matter how many of you there are. And they just get together. That's why some of you that are online and there's only one of you in the lounge room or there's only two of you there. And you go, well, I'm just a spectator. Oh, no, you're not. If you're worshipping with us, if you're engaging with us, you are not a spectator. You are just as much a part of what God is doing as if you were in the front row of the building. These people are there saying, you know what? When you don't know what's going on, keep going forward. And so they begin to sing, they begin to praise, and all of a sudden, many of you will know the story, is a gigantic earthquake happens. But it's an intelligent one like everything God does is. Because instead of destroying the building, the only thing that gets broken is all the chains. Can you imagine? That's a pretty particular earthquake. Hello? This is like a laser earthquake. The only thing that gets broken down are all the things that are holding them in place. The jailer, because he's a Roman and a public servant, he is responsible for the lives of those that he has charge over. And if they escape He has to forfeit his life for theirs. And so the Bible says he's about to kill himself. And Paul yells out a word of knowledge. He says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Now, honestly, I've read this story a hundred times and I still think the greatest miracle is not that Paul and Silas get free and stay, but it's that all the other prisoners get free and stay. There is no mass breakout. They all just stay there. How? Why? I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit just goes, no, stay. And they're all there. Out comes this jailer. Now remember, they went looking for a man. They couldn't find a man. After many days, they go and find Lydia. She comes to Christ in a whole household. They get the girl delivered. They end up in jail. There's nothing about this story that looks like a steady upward track. Kendall said to me the other night that the Lord spoke to him at one point because he was looking at other people who, who looked like their life was on that steady track. And the Holy Spirit said to him, I took you a different path. Can I just say thank God for all the believers that are willing to follow a different path? Amen. Can I say thank God for all the believers who don't go, God, if you don't bless me, I'm going to stop following Can I just say, thank God for all the believers that go, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'll keep going forward. I haven't got a clue what this is looking like. I don't know what is behind here. I haven't got a clue. I can't see a plan, but God, I believe you've got one. When you don't know what's going on, you keep going forward. The jailer ends up a believer in all his household. And the businesswoman, Lydia, And the civil servant become the foundation members of one of the great churches of the New Testament. And none of this would have happened if Paul and Silas and Timothy had stopped way back there when they'd just come through the regions of Galatia. After visiting all the churches and having lost some time, if they'd stopped back there and said, oh God, we haven't got a clue, it's too hard. We don't know what's going on. I think you might have heard it once or twice already this morning. When you don't know what's going on, keep going forward. Amen. When you haven't got a clue what's happening in your business, when you haven't got a clue what God is doing in your family, when you haven't got a clue what God's doing with the vision that He put in your heart, when you don't know what's going on, don't stop back in Galatia. Don't settle there and go, well, we'll just have to wait. Get up from where you are and say, I am going to find a way to go forward in my life. I'm going to find a way to be a blessing. You know what? I can be an ISO because that's what Paul and Silas were, in stocks, in jail. And they go, there'll be a way we can go forward here. We have no idea whether they were great voices or whether they sounded like a rusty bucket with a, a, a cap trying to get out of it. We have no idea what they sounded like. All we know is what their spirit was like. I'm in a place I don't want to be. This challenge is all about we haven't got a clue what tomorrow brings. But let's go forward. And so they begin to say, are you with me this morning? I feel like there's so many people that are a part of this service and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that's it. Come on, go forward. Come on, go forward. Stop talking about what you can't do and what's different, what's changed and what you don't know and how you can't be sure. And just say from your heart, when you don't know what's going on, keep going forward. If they'd turned back, if they'd given up, none of this would happen. Trust God that God's got a plan, amen? Because He does. God's got a plan. These guys end up, well, they lead the whole jailer and his household and that could have been quite substantial because he's uh, quite a, a significant civic leader. And together with the businesswoman, Lydia, who knows, there could have been 50, 75 or 100 people could have been a part of that church plant right there back in the day. And it all came out of a couple of guys going, you know what, we're not going to worry about what we don't know. We're going to keep going forward regardless of feelings, regardless of circumstances or regardless of opinions. I'm asking you today to say from your heart, God, I trust you. God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I do know you're in charge and I trust you for it. I'm going to be a blessing no matter how it looks. I'm going to go forward, Lord, no matter. I think there's something about that spirit that heaven absolutely loves. I think there's something about people that, you know, you can knock them down and they just get up looking for another opportunity. That's what Paul and Silas and Timothy are like. What a brilliant, brilliant spirit. Father, I pray this morning for people that are a part of this service. And Lord, it preaches simply, but living it out, it's not always simple. These people would have been confused, wondering, going, how come we don't know? God's told us so much. Why isn't He telling us this? And yet, Lord, they trusted You. And Father, I pray today for people right around the world that are a part of this service, people that are in this building right now. There are many of them who are saying, I don't know how this is going to work out. But God, I trust you. I feel like this morning, so certain that many of you that are part of this service, this is exactly where you're at. You've been saying these kind of things in your thought life. God, I just wish I knew. God, I just wish I knew. I wish I knew when. God, if you tell me how, and you wonder why God has not revealed to you Can I say to you, this story is not about God's direction. It's about the heart of going forward, regardless of direction or lack thereof. Father, we want to live great lives. Like great lives for you, not great lives for ourselves. We want to live a great life for you. I pray for people, Lord, that are a part of this service that have never said yes to you. They've never really started. For some of them, Lord, they might think faith is a, hurdle too high to jump over. They're not sure if they can adjust their mind or their past to be able to believe. And yet, Lord, you don't tell us that believing is a mental thing that we've got to get around. You say it's a thing of the heart. We trust you. So I thank you for those right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you, that prayer I just prayed, will speak to where you're at. You go, I don't know Jesus. You might know a lot of religion, a lot of people do. But you might not know Jesus for yourself. The Bible doesn't never talk about a Jesus that wants to just sit in heaven and observe. The Bible tells us about a Jesus who got down out of heaven and came to the dirt of earth. When you read the Gospels, you find that the kind of people Jesus worked with and walked with were not the elite. They weren't the people that everybody else, you know, admired. They weren't the influencers. It was people like a fisherman who was known for fighting. It's people like Judas, who was a political activist, trying to overthrow the Romans. It was people like Thomas, who for whatever reason had grown up with any kind of faith. He just worried about everything, cynical about everything. And Jesus took this very motley bunch and then he started reaching out to some of the people that were the least likely. I was reading though about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is like the totally most unlikely guy. Nobody wants to be the friend of Zacchaeus. He is a con man. He is corrupt as all get out and he works for the Romans. But he wants to see Jesus. And he's pretty small, so he can't see over the crowd, so he climbs a tree. I was a Boy Scout years ago, when I was a kid. I remember one of the things they taught me as a Boy Scout was this if you want to hide from people, climb up. Because most people don't look up, they look down. So I've used that sometimes, but I wanted to. I was out in the bush and if you wanted to hide, you'd climb up a tree. And so I know that when Jesus comes past Zacchaeus, everybody else is looking down. Jesus comes and looks up and calls him by name. He says, come on down, I'm going to your house today. And it says that he came down joyfully. Can I say to you that no matter who you are, what tree you're up, where you're hiding, can I say to you that Jesus knows where you are? He knows your name. Can I say to you that he's looking up at you and saying, would you come down? Would you come down? Would you come down? I want to go to your house with you today. You say, oh, Jeff, you don't know. That'll be so hard for me. I've spoken to people literally that were in organised crime. Came to church and said, can I talk to you? I've spoken to people that were Long time into prostitution or drugs, all kinds of stuff, and they all got the same question. They all said to me, But how could Jesus help me? And I say, It starts with a yes. <laughs> it's not a matter of getting rid really of yesterday, it's a matter of saying yes to Jesus and the tomorrow He has for you. If you'll say yes to Jesus, He will go home to your house with you today. It's as simple as that. I know it sounds too good to be true. I know that but it's true. How do you say yes? Well, obviously, where you are right now, you can simply be saying yes in your heart. If you want to say yes to Christ, we'd love to help you. We'd love to be a part of encouraging you, showing you some things that'll help you. We'll do that in such a non-threatening or intrusive way. Just text YES to 0488-826-392. The number's up on the screen. Or else go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. When you do that, the next day after, we will send you a Bible verse, different every day, a prayer, different every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. It comes from our church. It's not from anyone else. Sebastiano, wherever he is. Oh, there he is down there. Sebastiano Rashida. They're the people who do it. They send that out to you. You can ask them questions. You can send it back in the text or in the email. We would love to be a part of helping you in your journey with Jesus. You've just got to say yes. Why don't you do that? today? Trust God. Trust God with His salvation for your life. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. I pray for all those that will say yes this week. People in this service right now and others, Lord, that will log on to the YouTube channel or into Facebook Live or some other part of it, and God, wherever they are, whatever time of the day or night where they live, they'll give their yes, and then Lord, you'll come into their life, that's the most important bit, we'll come along beside them to help them, we will pray for them. God, we thank you for salvation for each one of them, in the name of Jesus, amen. Can I just ask if you're in the building, because people every week, I know, I never get tired of saying to every single week people yes text. At the oddest of hours, 2 a.m. on a Friday morning, someone yes texts. You know, in the afternoon, on a Wednesday, someone yes text. Comes in every single week. And we don't do this all the time, but I'd love you to give them a big hand and say, hey, I don't even know you, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> We're praying for you. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you, That doesn't answer all my questions. What I really want God to say is, Jeff, I'm going to tell you every evening exactly what the next day is going to look like. But so far he hasn't done it yet. I've discovered that the Christian life is a life of trust. Amen. And so we're just going to keep doing that. Come on team, we're going to stand and sing together this great song, Praise in the Gardens. It's a beautiful song, Praise doing that for you. If you need prayer in the building, come forward. We'd love to pray for you at the end of the service. Pastor Bruce is going to be online praying with people there. If you're one of those people that I spoke about earlier, up all night with pain or with those worries, anxieties, if you're in the building, come, we'd love to pray for you. And uh, if you're online, just do that through Pastor Bruce down there. We would love the opportunity to be believing with you. Amen.